welcome back to the Get a Q podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined today by Ella Van Oren, who's uh, part of Olin College and the Innovators Compass. And Ella, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to talk about this. So, uh, the, the Innovators Compass. Tell me about sort of the 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 origin of this. What the purpose is. You know, where do, where does it come from, and how is how are you using it? Okay. That was sort of a loaded um, question. That's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, Let's start so, with one. Maybe we'll start with one piece. Where did where did the innovator? How did the innovators compass come about? It's been, I think, a lifelong sort of search mission. Um, more, even more over the last twenty years, and really, really over the last seven, um, which I've finally really been able to name, which is just desperately wanting to have a way we can all get unstuck whenever we need to, you know, alone, together, but just some common way of getting unstuck. So when you say unstuck, what do you mean? I mean, you know, we know that whether we're starting something or we're in the middle of something or we're just going along, this isn't great and it's not getting great, right? Um, I think we all have so many different ways of doing things and they're all great as long as they're going well. And um, I've had this amazing opportunity throughout my life to learn all these different ways of making things better from um, my background in engineering and design to getting to work with people who make us better leaders, uh, better parents, better scientists, better learners, um, you know, as an educator, as a parent myself, as a leader myself, you know, working with all these different people and, um, and feeling like, you know what? These people are all reminding us to, to ask the same questions we ask of ourselves whenever we, you know, we're clear-headed and um, we, you know, we're coaching somebody else, for example, or we're, we're teaching at our best. We really want ourselves and for our students to be able to just ask those questions all the time. And they're really kind of the same um, at some level from one thing to another. So I feel like we should just name them. <laughs> so after all these years and tons of, you know, trying to make something that gets people, you know, less stuck than more stuck, because it's easy to make things, make people more stuck. Um, it boiled down to asking ourselves whether we're starting a project or a problem or a decision or just in the moment talking to someone who's involved, what's happening right now and why, what matters most for everyone who's involved, what ways are there to do that, and what's a step to try right now so that I can see again, you know, what happens and if it's great, great. And if it's not, okay, well, you know, what else could I try? Or maybe something else really matters. Um, and so that is basically Innovators Compass. And um, if you see it, it's got people in the center because, you know, even if it seems like the most stunning project, people are always, uh, you know, involved in anything we do. And, uh, and then the four areas around it are at the going like being able to look at the details of what's going on right now. So what's happening and why is let's call those our observations um, because it's easy to list things. So we can list what's happening and why our observations right now. What matters most is being able to zoom out and see what's going on um, right now. What matters most about that? So we could call those our principles right now. What ways are there? is looking forward and seeing the big picture of all the ways of doing things because, you know, the first one you pick isn't necessarily going to work. Um, we could call those our ideas and then zooming back down to details because if we don't 
put a who, what, when, where, or how to our ideas. We don't do them. Those are our experiments. And, um, and so those are all around the people. And, and really, you know, no matter what I've come across that, that tells us how to do things better, it's going to, whatever it calls those things, it's going to remind us to ask those questions. So I know when we were chatting earlier, you said, oh, that sounds a lot like scientific method. And I found that, you know, whoever I meet, it feels like whatever they've, whatever they know. So people who come from a STEM background will say, oh, that looks like scientific method or a design background will say, oh, that's a great design thinking tool. Or um, people from psychology have said, no, that looks like counseling <laughs> um, or a leadership tool. Or I've even had someone in law tell me that it looks like some law related tool. I can't remember what it was. So that's, you know, after so many years, that was the, the mission was what is just the common language that gets us unstuck, that helps us do things better no matter what we're doing. And of course, all those more detailed tools are, are great. Um, and we should use them. But if we had some common language, the way that we have for, you know, two plus two is four, just some way to start um, exploring open-ended problems, the way that we have common language for, say, a math problem. Um, well, that would be cool. <laughs> it yeah, could be right, helpful right. in this world. Yeah, right. So I'm looking at the website, innovatorscompass.org, and I'm on the use it page, and I see the, I see the compass itself and the five questions. Um, when do you suggest people use this? Because I, I, I know you mentioned unstuck and getting stuck and unstuck. And I, I guess what would, be the, what would be the example of how do we kind of point people towards this as a, as a problem-solving tool? Because, you know, we look at reopening school right now and you think about, you know, how many questions there are. Um, you know, what's the right thing for your school district or your family at this moment? Um, maybe it's negotiations between a teacher's association and administration or a school committee. Um, yeah. What's, what's sort of the, 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 an example here that you could give of, of walking through this and, and kind of coming up with getting unstuck. Sure. Yeah. Maybe I can, you know, go quick, broad and then deep. Um, so, and on ways people are actually using it. So, um, so again, it's just five questions and it's in all different, like the whole mission of this is everything is free and accessible. So um, to make powerful ways to get unstuck accessible for every person and moment, that's the mission. And so there's lots of printable formats and online formats um, that have been used from preschools to global conferences. And in schools um, with students, you know, on projects, on social emotional learning. So like individual kids were having challenges um, or just figuring out like what's what's next for me, kids who are having conflicts, you know, small groups, <laughs> big whole classrooms that are having playground conflicts, um, you know, dealing with big events that affect the whole school, like COVID, um, like Hurricane Irma, a teacher used it, um, using it to, to work with parents through current issues, you know, everyone around the students also, right? So the, the parents, teachers, and staff collaborating on, um, you know, their, whether it's curriculum or, or decisions they're making. Um, so kind of all throughout the kind of culture and ecosystem of the school, people are just asking these questions. And so, um, you know, I think right now what's very current is, you know, where parents have been more or less a part of that conversation now that there's so much 
whatever continuum part of the continuum you're on from like fully in school or at home and doing virtual, there's a lot more involving the parents these days. So, um, so one example I can give that I was, I was actually there watching, um, a wonderful pair of edu- well, administrators in Aurora, Colorado, um, Don McWilliams and Mitch, um, oh my gosh, I'm going back his last name, um, her assistant principal. And th- this was pre-COVID, but they um, opened a series of conversations with parents about kind of things that were on their minds. And there were three in a row. And one, they ended up talking about um, the dress code. This was a charter school. And so there was a dress code, sort of a uniform that you had to wear. I don't remember if it was like blue on top and khaki on the bottom or whatever it was every day. Um, and how they felt about that. And then the second one was about um, attendance issues. And, and then the third one ended up kind of combining the two. So what was really interesting to me is how, you know, when they started this dialogue, how much they kind of discovered that they didn't expect. So they kind of expected, for example, on the dress code, that all the parents, you know, when you ask what's happening for them, they'll be like, oh, we hate this. We have to deal with this. Um, but it was really mixed. So what was happening for them was a mix of, well, it's actually really convenient (laughs) in some ways because we don't have to argue about, you know, what they're going to get and, um, and what they're going to wear this morning and and that kind of stuff. But then also, um, it's also a fight with their kids who aren't getting to express themselves. And sometimes I want to buy something different for them. And, and just financially the hardship in this community of, um, you know, having to get this particular clothes. So, it was much more, I guess, complicated than they thought it was going to be. It's just diff- different, more different um, things going on, right? Different things happening for different people, which really opened their eyes. They had gone to this going, oh, we're going to totally get rid of the dress code. Um, and so what mattered to people was, again, this mix of, you know, convenience and cost with expression and not having fights in the morning. Um, and so they ended up generating a lot of different ideas about different kind of combinations of things that they could do. And what's really, really interesting is what ended up happening. If I fast forward a little bit, like I said, the next conversation was about attendance challenges that they were having in the school and all the different sides of what was happening there um, and what mattered to help get kids to school. And the third group, these other, these compasses were up there and they could see them and they said, well, let's, they, they came up with this idea of putting them together um, of, so what if we sort of watch the attendance through the course of the week and on Thursday, if attendance has been, you know, I can't remember what percent they, they chose, um, 90 something, I don't remember what it was, um, then Friday is a free day where you get to wear whatever you want to school. And so I think, and again, you know, Don and Mitch had not gone into this at all, knowing a, what they would talk about, or B, that they would come out with this really interesting kind of way of putting these two really different problems together. Um, and they tried that, and I, I only heard shortly afterwards about the short term, like that the kids did rally. They were excited to get to wear whatever they wanted to school, and it made somewhat of a difference. Um, I didn't follow up long term, but that's one example. And you can imagine how, you know, that can be used at a lot of really different scales, whether you're just trying, you know, to write a paper, do a project at, at school and, and iterating it and making it better. Um, 
okay, what matters most for this project? You don't have to start in any particular place, actually. Um, the way that I described going from people to observations, principles, ideas, experiments is the way that a lot of ways out there for doing almost anything will tell you to go because it's the safest, it's the careful way, you know, really understand what's going on now and what matters before you start generating ideas. But, um, you know, say you've got kid tries an idea for something and it doesn't really work, like just like a school's attendance, you know, things weren't working. Um, they can, you know, go, okay, well, starting with that, um, what can I try to make it better? Or what's, can I look at what's going on and see, you know, why do I think that this paper isn't working or this um, project and, and go around or start from the beginning, what matters most, you know, teacher and the kids talk about what matters most for this um, paper I want to write of this project and, and, um, and maybe talk about, you know, what is happening, you know, for the people involved and, and start designing from there. So um, it can kind of get used for anything, but that was one example. Yeah. And I think it's impressive that you get you know, two, two seemingly unrelated things. You, they're, they're both like, you know, you know, school sort of handbook issues that, you know, it's, it's probably a constant pain point for the administrators. It's probably a constant pain point for, for parents and for kids. And they're not related, but at the same time, they kind of are. And to tie them together was brilliant. Uh, and good on those, good on the school administrators to listen to the kids and, and have that sort of carrot to dangle out there and, and allow that. Um, I guess my question is, when you get when you get everybody to sit down and you do a training, or I shouldn't say a training, but like when you do uh, you know when you do a workshop with people, you have buy-in because the people want to be there at the you know at the training or the workshop. They they want to learn about the process. Mm -hmm. They want to they want to you know think of a new way to explore problems and you know whether it's social emotional or design thinking. Um, how do you then, it, as a as a leader, bring that back to your school and get and create buy-in? I love that you asked that. Um, so, the most so as I've gone through this, some talking about principles, some principles have come up over and over again. First of all, that I, I want it to not require training, so it has to be really powerful, but really, really simple. It won't if people. If it's not effective, if it's not powerful, if it doesn't move people forward, they're not going to use it. But if it's simp not simple, they can't in all of the situations, I would hope that you could pick it up and use it. Um, it has to be really clear. So it's not confusing, but then also really flexible. Like you get what all these things are getting at, but you don't feel like you have to use it in a certain way because, again, people won't. But the last one that has come up really over the last few years is that you can't push anything, <laughs> this or anything else, on people. People will grab it when they need it. And so that's why it starts with stuck. You know, I think people, when a group is really stuck making a decision or on a project and well, you know, without any of the introduction I just gave, what, what happens in the world that everybody describes to me is they say, well, okay, I've got this like tool we could try. It's just five questions, you know, or they just start asking the questions one at a time um, and people move forward together. That is what happens 99% of the times in the world as I've heard it from people. Um, and then when it makes a difference, people use it again and they use it in more different ways. And so um, it might start for the first time in a staff meeting where we're trying to make a decision and then someone, and then another, you know, <laughs> okay, wait, that worked last time. <laughs> Let's use that again. 
So it's very different, I think. Um, less of a just-in-case kind of training, and it usually starts as more of a just-in-time kind of tool that you pull out. Like, oh my gosh, this isn't the screwdriver's not working. Let's grab a hammer, and um, <laughs> and it's just meant to be, you know, for all of that broad intro I just gave. It's it's really just five questions that people pull out when they're starting a project. Ultimately, right when they're starting a project, starting a meeting, it ends up happening more and more proactively as people see that it works and you don't want to get stuck. You want to just start out asking the right questions from the beginning. But at the, at, you know, I know with my kids, I, I can't possibly sit them down and do these things proactively. You know, at first it was more, um, you know, finding moments when it made sense to them. Like we were fighting over this, whatever Legos sure, of <laughs> and, course. and, right, and, right. and, and it makes a difference. And then they'll say later, you know, okay, can we compass this <laughs> when, when there's problems? So I think it's, you know, it's so cliche, but it's so true. Just meeting people where they are. And if there's a moment that you want to make something better, like what's going on right now isn't great. And you try asking some, not even all, it doesn't have to be all of them, but some of these questions and it makes a difference. Then you get the buy-in because <laughs> it made a difference in what people care about. Yeah, and yeah. my workshops are no different. Um, like I said, the, the point is that the tool can pass from person to person, um, without training. And I've been, you know, devoting a great deal of the last years of my life to that, but I do also do workshops and it's a very short intro. We've actually talked a lot more here. Um, and just letting people dig in on whatever's on their mind and apply these questions to it and then give them, you know, some tips to, to push themselves a little further whether they're individually there, I might pair them up with somebody else to sort of help coach each other. Or if they're in groups, you know, they came from their schools, work through something. That's how we, it's no different even when there's a training. I don't think you can get buy-in by talking about things. I think the right. only way is to do it before people have a chance to question it. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. when it makes a difference, they'll use it again. Yeah, and you've if you've got the people in front of you and it, it, it's, it becomes you talking at them instead. You, what you want is them buying in and actually getting their hands dirty and getting involved. Uh, right. So and workshops have a range of buy-in too. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. People are forced to be there. Right, right. That's when it's most important to just say, you know, what's on your mind? Try these questions. Yeah. You know? So and, and you've done a workshop at South by Southwest EDU, I, I, I see. Um, I've done a bunch. Mm -hmm. So I, I've, that is kind of my dream is to get there. Oh. <laughs> uh, even just as an attendee, I, I would just like to attend. Uh, I I'd love to hear about what the vibe is like there and what, how, how this, how the Innovators Compass sort of was, re was received at, at that particular conference. It's so interesting you bring this up. South by Southwest has become a bit of a milestone for me. I mean, I do so many workshops and things all year long. But I think my first workshop there might have been in 2017, 16 even. Um, and it became kind of a milestone each year where I could just keep whatever my big goal was for the next year. You have to propose in like June or July, I think, for a March workshop. So it was whatever my dream was to um, achieve by March is what I would propose. And then I'd spend all the time before that. Every workshop I gave was you know, experimenting to try to get to that point and evolving it. Sorry to anybody who's a guinea pig in those other workshops, <laughs> but you definitely got something good for it. So, um, and so, you know, the earlier ones, I mean, it was fine. People would say, oh, this is interesting. Um, 
that was helpful. It helped me organize my thoughts or whatever. Or I think the first ones were just <laughs> a little confusing. And then um, kind of the biggest milestone, 2018, my goal was, okay. And I didn't just have a workshop in 2018 and 19. I had what's called a playground space where people, uh, kind of like an expo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people can just come through. And then you really have to get it really fast. So both for the workshop and that playground space, my goal was that this people would just immediately get it and be, get it what it get get it get what it's for and just be able to pick it up and use it and it took until 2018 and there was a really big push for 2018 with help from a lot of people who use it to help refine it and um and a former IDEO buddy I used to work there um who helped to refine the graphics and that finally happened people got it they got what it was for they used it it was great and people said that was great it really helped me organize my thoughts and I thought okay that's awesome I get that everybody I love that everybody gets it my goal for 2019 was I wanted to really help people leave in a different place than they came, like change what you thought. And so that was the goal for 2019. And so then um, that got complicated and then had to get really simple again and ended up with two tips for each of those questions. One's an exclamation point tip, how to find an aha, something different, like a different thing that's happening, a different thing that matters. Um, and a question mark tip, how to question what you're already thinking there. Mm. Um, cause of those things that we ask kids to do, right. Um, not to fill out, it is not meant to be a worksheet. You just kind of fill out, oh yeah, I get this. I did it. I'm great. Um, and that was exciting because then the feedback was, oh, that was life-changing. That really made me see this problem differently. I thought, yes, this is really awesome. But I also looked at the compass that's being made during that time. And that was true for the people who were involved in the actual compass, but not everyone was involved. And, you know, I, I'm just so grateful that what became my focus for 2020 was how to actually get all voices involved in asking these questions because sometimes, sometimes it seems, oh, it's not practical. We can't really ask all the parents and students. It's just not practical. It doesn't fit. But really that's fear of what they have to say of, how much time it will take, um, you know, to involve people. And so um, not everybody was truly involved. And so that became my mission for 2020 was how do we help people in an effective way? It has to be practical, but how do you really hear all voices and get all perspectives on what's going on and what matters and, and all their ideas, right? And all the richness that people can bring. Um, and so that became a virtual workshop, but um, I've gotten actually great feedback on that too. Someone said it was one of the three most powerful things they've done online um, since COVID. So um, I guess that was a long story, but each year, you know, just trying to push the edge of this further because if we really want people to be able to get unstuck together, they need to be able to unstick and, you know, see things in new ways and, and really do it together. And that's what scares people the most. Well, yeah. And, and you know, some of it's, kind of being able to be comfortable enough to say like, okay, we're going to stop this entire process and we're going to sit down and do this other thing that's going to help us move forward. Uh, and, and that's got to be, you know, probably a little scary for some people, but for others that are really task oriented, they say like, we've got this project in front of us that needs to get done by, you know, say X date. How are we going to, now we're going to stop and do this sort of metacognitive task that, you know, you know, how is this going to help us right now? And it's that that pause, I'm get, I'm sensing it's that pause that really gets people gets people going with this. Yeah, it's going slow to go fast, right? And I think that's something I've had to really learn in my life. I mean, when you're really stuck, you have no choice, right? You realize you are going nowhere, so you need to do something different. 
And that's kind of even in my own life when I would be pulling this out. And, and then you start doing it more and more proactively because you realize that taking a few minutes, it doesn't, I mean, it's just five questions. You can, you know, in a conflict with two kids that are fighting, right? Like that's not going anywhere fast, right? Right, right. Um, you can stop to just ask a couple questions in the space of seconds. Or if it's a huge strategic question for your life or your district, it may span years. But that um, doesn't have to. So the first key was to make it really simple, common language. Hey, what's happening? You know, so that it fits in any time frame, in any culture. There's not like, oh, that doesn't fit in this meeting. We really couldn't ask that question. I mean, it's just, hey, you know, what matters to everybody? And that took a long time so that the excuses that it doesn't fit start to go away. Um, and then, but really you nailed the piece that you do have to pause. You have to realize you're stuck, right? And that, that piece is the part that I'm actually working on now. Um, because for all of this, everything, you know, like, okay, people get what it is. Now they can push, they can really unstick themselves a lot faster. And then the third part, I said, you know, and they'll do it with everybody involved, but you have to sense that you're stuck and that um, it's going to go a heck of a lot faster if I just reset and ask a couple of good questions. And that's why for me, that last step was to define what I think stuck is in a way that we could access, like, this isn't, this isn't getting to great, you know, right. for everyone involved. Like, right. And I say getting to, because if you're doing something else that's working and getting you there, it's not great yet, but we're doing some other, we're asking these other questions, which are probably pretty similar in the end. But, um, you know, I'm not saying we all have to use the same tool, but I am saying that if we're stuck and not going anywhere, there needs to be something we can reach for. So if things aren't getting to great for everyone involved, we have to sense it in it's not even in your head, right? You talked about metacognitive. Yeah, that first step does not happen there. It happens in your heart. It happens in your gut. Stuck sucks. I can feel that suck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, 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 yeah. I can feel it. It's time to do something. And honestly, if there was something else everybody could reach for and just do that, I would do something else. I have devoted years of my life, uh, years of income <laughs> to to trying to crack this nut. Um but I do hope that we can, if it gets simpler and simpler and we're successful with it, right? Like it's actually not that big a deal. We're just going to ask some questions that getting unstuck seems easier than staying stuck. Yeah. And then you'll start to realize that stuck sooner and sooner because it's not that big a deal. Like stuck happens all the time to everyone. We can accept that because we know, hey, also getting unstuck, we have a place to start. Right. We can start with these questions. And so it's not, it's not scary to face it. I'm not horrible because I'm stuck. Everybody gets there and everybody can get unstuck. Yeah. And, you know, and as a teacher or as a former teacher now and an administrator and as a coach, I, and, and, you know, I coach high school sports, I can think of like all sorts of ways to get to this. We have a, I coach a golf team and it's such a mental sport. And there's a mm. one particular course that every time we go to. It, it's in our head before we even get off the bus. You know, it's days ahead of time. It's like, oh, we've got to go to this place on Thursday, and it's Monday, and they're already thinking about it. We have two matches before then. So this is something I'm going to use, and I'm going to use it with them, and they're going to go through this process, and I think it's going to help them. Um, Can we – I don't know if you have a second to just briefly talk through that. I think that would be amazing, right? Like, yeah. What would that look like for 
these kids playing golf, like in two, like literally 30 seconds of the whole thing, but just, so who's involved. Right. So the, so the, the people involved would be the players and myself as the coach. Um, and then is that it, do they feel any pressure from their parents? <laughs> no, I, I, and that's the funny thing about, about coaching golf is that there, there isn't that sort of, um, Interesting. yeah, it, it's really, I would say the only kids that, that sense that are like the really high, the, the really high end players that are, you know, their parents have paid thousands of dollars for private, private lessons and they're looking for college scholarships gotcha. and, you cool. know, and, and there are so few of those kids that the rest of them are just like, I love to play golf. I love to be successful. My parents are just happy that I'm doing something um, and I enjoy it and I'm successful or even if I'm not successful that, you know, I'm in this safe environment. But anyway, um, so the, okay. the observations would be that we go to this particular place every year. Uh, we, we have to play this team twice. We beat them when, when, when they come to us. When we go to them, we rarely beat them because their course is sort of funky. There's a lot of water. There's um, it's, it's right at the ocean, so there's that sea breeze. Um, there's a lot of out-of-bounds areas. So there's definitely like a, going into it, you know, I don't want to lose a, you know, I don't want my opponent to beat me, but at the same time, I also don't want this course to beat me. Uh, so there's, it, it kind of sp- starts to spiral before we even get off the bus. So you can name a couple of things they're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like yep. worried, excited. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I know myself when I play this course um, as like a, as a, just a regular guy, uh, I go into it thinking like, oh God, I can't believe I have to go play at this place. Um, so. Okay. And then so what it, might matter most? Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. So that's what yeah. I was going to. Yeah. So what matters, honestly, what matters most is, is being calm when we get there. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So, so we've so tried I, to we've, <laughs> we've tried to kind of push this. The idea as coaches, we've tried to push the idea of like um, this course is not it, it's while while challenging. It is not the most difficult course we play. Uh, they are not the best team that we play um, that you you know, you've been successful against these players at our course. There's no reason why. Um, and, and historically we've had players that have gone over there and been successful too. Awesome. So you're actually using a lot of those observations to help them. Okay. With, right. with what matters most, which is to stay right. calm and realistic, right? right? Not get psyched out. Okay. So what are some ideas you have? One is to just have that conversation, I guess. Yep. It, yeah. Uh, to try and, you know, mentally prepare them before, you know, on the, the bus ride over, um, mm-hmm. how to, uh, how to, you know, look at each hole. Um, one at a time and not get so caught up and say like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I've got two holes until I've got to play that hole. Um, you know, think about what the next shot is that's in front of you instead of the one that's behind you. Um, and then as far as the, you know, some other ideas, like we've talked about, you know, club selection and um, some kids get, it, it's not a very good, this is getting very golf specific, but um, you know, it, I always tell the kids, I say, leave your driver on the bus. There's no, there's no need to take the driver with you. Um, mm-hmm. And the kids that have kind of bought into that philosophy have seen some success there. Um, cool. Yeah. And like the exclamation point tip here, like how to find another aha, is to change the who, what, when, where, or how of ideas you already had. And so like, you know, you talked about things you could do, like things you could do to coach them, things you could say to them. Um, but they have each other and stuff too. Right. So, and that makes it seem totally different. What could the kids do? Like, could they, do they have like, like a scan? Like I scan each other, we scan each other's faces. And when you look really serious and stressed out, you make a funny face at each other or 
you know, you can come up with ideas that are completely different, a totally different what we do. Like, okay, we're talking instead of those are all talking ideas. Well, what yeah. if there's a jumping jacks idea? And we like, you know, instead of talking, we're doing something. We like do yoga or we jump in jacks before to relax. I mean, you don't have to go deep here, but that's the illustration of just, I tried to find one tip for each one that unlocks people. Totally yeah. different. Who? Doesn't have to be me. They can do something. Maybe their parents do something before we leave. Right. They right. all bake them cakes or <laughs> give them big pep talks, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and the what can be totally different. It's not always talking. Um, or the how or the when, right? There's on the bus, but we could also do something the week before or we could promise them something after, right? right. So change the who, what, when, where, how of your ideas and you get a bunch more. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Any, anything else there? Um, I think that's about it for that. Okay. Um, and then experiments. Um, and what's, what's a step to try? I, I would say, you know, making sure that, what, one of the things that we, we've talked about a lot is getting them to practice there before playing there. You know, if you've got time, you know, if you've got time during the summer or, you know, we've got a weekend where we don't have anything, go over there and play um, and kind of sort of take away the mystique of, um, you know, get comfortable there. That's a great one, right? Yeah. Anything, whenever, if something is scary, make it smaller. That's kind of the tip that I have here, right? Think one person, one minute, you know, if it's scary, just make it smaller and, and go with. Figure out what's making you scared. There's some question in your mind, like, oh, I don't know if I can play this. If that's the biggest unknown, like, right, that's experiments. We go in with questions, not answers. We don't know if this idea is going to work. So let's go try that course. Let's try that goofy face-making idea on, you know, while we're at home, you know, so we can find out whether it relaxes us or distracts us. Right. So, you know, like, let's just do a little experiment. Yep. And then you can see what happens again. You're back to your observations. And if it's great, great. If not, then, oh, actually, there's something else that matters, right? I've got to stay calm, but I also need to stay focused. Um, and so now I have another couple ideas, but that was a great, that was a super fun. Yeah. And you would, you would make a great sports psychologist and we'd like to hire you. <laughs> <laughs> See, you went from saying it's science, it sounds like a scientific method to it sounds like psychology. Yeah. It sounds like whatever you bring to it. Yeah. It does. Yeah. They are the same questions at some level. Of course, right. I am not in any way dismissing uh, sports psychology or scientific method for their in their own right. 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 So I have an idea. I just want to access like the essence of those things at any moment that we need them because they're all so great. Yeah. What yeah. are they all trying to remind us? What are they all trying to teach us? They're teaching us the things we knew when we were kids, right. when we were born, right. right? Like babies watch kids, watch adults like with this, you know, stare all the time, right? They're super focused on people. They're always looking at what's going on, asking a thousand whys, you know, drawing what matters to them. They come up with ideas so much better than we do when we're grownups and yeah. they are not afraid to try little right. things. So, right. It just brings us back to that stuff. We just have to give kids and ourselves the space in every moment that matters because they all matter to just keep doing those things you keep asking those questions now do you have this is totally off the beat do you have laptop stickers by any chance because i have a laptop sticker idea for you i do i have one right in front of me oh you do you have, okay I, I would love so every idea if you go to our webs if you go to the website there's all the stuff on there and they are all ideas that came from different people so um there is a laptop sticker that says very big and big block letters i am an unsticker which is kind of a joke, Perfect. A sticker, but I'm an unsticker. And then it has the compass questions, the, the colorful compass. Okay. So that, so then I, I'm not coming up with an original idea. No, <laughs> but, but I, no, what's your specific laptop idea, uh, laptop get, sticker idea? Get unstuck. 
Get and, and, and it's a sticker. But it, you've you've kind of got that. So you've and you've got the compass on there. So that's perfect. Well, I'll have to send you some. <laughs> I would love one. That would be great. I've got a, a my laptop looks like a NASCAR. So I'm I'm all about that. So uh, and while we're talking about laptops. Like I said, there's lots of printable ones, but um, a gift. So there's a couple of different ways. This is we haven't talked to computers at all. And this is MassQ. So really briefly, um, there's a range of ways you can use this on a computer. The most obvious one, if you go to use it, I've listed the questions in a way that you can copy and paste them into whatever you want. Your Google Doc, your presentation, yeah. your uh, Padlet, whatever. Um, that's one way. There's also a free app that was created by one of my former students at Olin, um, Hugh Nguyen, who is now a computer programmer, whatever they call him. Um, and he gifted me an app. So it, it's a lot like Mural or Mural. Um, but simpler and it just has the compass in it, but it's free. It doesn't save any information. So it's by nature private. Mm -hmm. um, and you can use sticky notes with people wherever you are, um, wherever they are. So this is a good time for virtual. So you can use a, a, a virtual one. It's called icompass.me. And then there's also Mural, if anyone's using that, has the in their templates i think under design or brainstorming templates they have a compass it's the 2016 one and it's about to be updated to the 2020 hopefully final um compass so for, so watch for that but there are ways of using it online but like i said if you look at all the videos there's so many little short videos online that people have sent in about ways they're using it most of the time they're just i mean it's just five questions or even five words you can just list okay what are observations what are people you know um, so people just do that, you know, on a piece of paper or on their document. Great. So you've got the, you've got the app, you've got the website. Where can people find you on social? I am E-L-A-B-E-N-U-R uh, on Twitter. Um, that's my handle. Um, the hashtag Innovators Compass is where I hope that people will share their experiences, their unstucks or any experiences. You'll see that a lot of people do. And that's awesome because, you know, all these stories, all these people, that's where it came from, a lot of them. Um, you know, you can go there to see lots of ways people are unsticking. Um, so, and I follow that hashtag. If you tweet to Innovators Compass, Great. I will respond. Excellent. <laughs> um, and you can just email me at ella at innovatorscompass.org. Um, I haven't gotten super onto like the other things like Facebook and Instagram yet. I've kind of kept it to one. But no, I think Twitter, I think Twitter is great for education. I really do. And I've, I've said that uh, on this pod, we've talked about this on the podcast here before as it's a great, um, it's a great place for professional development. Um, Ella Benor from Olin college, the innovators compass. Thank you so much. This is such a great talk. I really appreciate it. Likewise. It was super fun. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere podcasts can be found. This is the Get a Q podcast from MassQ, here to educate, connect, and inspire.